Hello everyone. Welcome to our another episode of your Growth Fit interview series. My name is Ashwini. I'm the growth engineer at customfit.ai. Customfit AI is a purpose-built B2B website personalization platform designed from the ground up on the use cases and challenges for B2B marketers. It converts the website traffic to quality leads by dynamic dynamically changing website content and CTAs as per visitors characteristics such as company size and many more it helps businesses to understand what is their uh, their user wants like uh, and how businesses can help them uh, find exactly what uh, they are looking for today we will discuss uh, basics to uh, depth of demand generation some touch points uh, designed to raise awareness of customer challenges position uh, your brand as a trusted advisor generate leads sell your solutions and if done correctly foster genuine uh, brand loyalty the long term element is essential demand generation is uh, isn't quick uh, fix right uh, let's welcome Yeah. Let's welcome our special guest today, Laura Bluchinsky. She is currently working with uh, Hutton Mifflin Harcourt. Uh, for more than 185 years, HMH is uh, has inspired all learners to activate curiosity, elevate potential, and find their moments of brilliance and uh, and breakthrough. Laura is working with uh, working in this industry for more than 18 years. Uh, if I'm not wrong, Laura. That is correct. Yeah, I think uh, there is a lot, lot to learn from you today. <laughs> Let's understand from Laura uh, some strategies of demand generation. Uh, welcome, Laura, and thank you so much for joining us in the session. Thank you for having me. Uh, we would love to hear about you and your journey from start to end, Laura. How you started, uh, what all challenges you faced, and how did you overcome them and reach uh, reach to this position? Sure, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, as you mentioned, I've been in the industry a long time. Um, I, I probably kind of fell into marketing. I started out my career um, with a gaming company, working in customer service, and and you know various jobs along the way so i've done a little bit of everything product marketing content post sale social paid pretty much any bits of of marketing i've had my hand in it at some some point in my career um most recently i've been really focusing on demand strategy um specifically post sale communications okay. um so uh hello Yes. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, Laura, please tell us something about uh, Hutton Mifflin Harcourt and what philosophy you follow to keep up the spirit. Sure, absolutely. So, HMH, as you mentioned, is a really old company. We've been around for over 180 years. Um, <clears throat> but we are first and foremost uh, a digital company at this point. Um, we're digital first, connected strategy, and we're committed to the purposeful use of technology, not just to use technology just for the sake of technology. Um, you know, and and using um, technology to expand that capacity of the teachers so they can spend more time with their students and not worrying about whether the technology is going to work or not. Um, 
My main marketing philosophy has always been, uh, you know, right place, right time, right message. You know, to make sure that you're talking to your customers where they are in their journey um, and not just mass emailing out to them or mass communicating out to them as generic, but really getting um, into the details of where they are and making sure you're talking to them about what they care about. Okay. Uh, so, Laura, you start, uh, you're working with uh, HMH for more than 20, 12 years, right? Uh, so you mm -hmm. started, uh, you're working with HMH for more than 12 years, right? Uh, 10 years. We've been there 10. Okay. okay. Yep. Uh, officially, so I, was, I was a that consultant. Is, <laughs> that, that is really a long, long time, I must say. Uh, you started with marketing and web strategy consultant, and now you're a director of demand generation. So what all things did you change to take HMH to this level? You have... Uh, I think 3.9 million monthly visits now. So mm -hmm. what did you do to create this demand in marketplace? Sure. Um, you know, we spend a lot of time uh, really um, talking about the customer, talk, you know, we spend a lot of time talking to our salespeople. We spend a lot of time talking to our customer success people. You know, just really find out, um, and and directly to the customers themselves, to find out what their what their challenges are, and those changed a lot in the last 10, 12 years, um, and certainly in the last 18 months, they've changed dramatically um, in a very short period of time. Uh, so really trying to meet the customer, like I said, kind of where they are. Um, and then creating quality content. If you don't have excellent content, if you don't have things people are gonna be interested in, you know, they're not gonna come. It's, it's a little bit like the, uh, and you may be too young to get this reference, but a field of dreams, there was an old movie, a field of dreams where they, you know, the, the whole thing was build it and they will come. It's the kind of thing, if you build a great website, you're going to get input. You're gonna get people coming to you. Uh, so Laura, uh, what is your take on community building when it comes to customer? Uh, is it needed that you build a community for them? Is it a part of your marketing mix? How do you design a validate, uh, design and validate your customer retention and loyalty programs? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, building that community is essential, and um, you know. In, in the, the education field, you know, you have a couple different layers. You have the teachers who are the ones doing, you know, the everyday work, and then you have the administrators and the principals and the district leaders and things like that, which have different, you know, they, they have different concerns. Um, we have a couple things here at HMH. We have a teacher's corner uh, within one of our platforms where it's, it's almost entirely run by the teachers themselves. You know, we add input, we add content, but we allow the teachers to talk to each other, to share ideas. Teachers, without a doubt, are some of the most creative people on the planet. Uh, they truly understand what their students need and, um, you know, will we'll really go out of the way to make sure that they're getting those. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, 
but I think that uh, uh, you know building that 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 place there's you know there's other places of course you know there, there's the standard social places like Facebook and LinkedIn and and Twitter and those are important to have your your presence on there um, but there's also important whichever industry you happen to be in is to find the the unique ones. Um, there's a couple, and I'm not going to be able to come up with them off the top of my head, but there's a couple kind of uh, teacher-centered um, uh, social media forms um, that are really just for teachers. So being part of that community, but not trying to direct the, the uh, conversation, but be a part of the conversation. Okay, I, I will somewhat dig into uh, it here. So according to you, uh, what are some of the creative ways to conduct conduct customer and audience research? Oh, gosh. I mean, you know, the good old-fashioned picking up the phone and calling people is, is always, <laughs> you know, very effective. Um, we do a lot of surveys. Uh, for, through our company um, where we uh, sometimes offer incentives for filling the surveys out and sometimes not. Um, <laughs> you know, we do a lot of uh, just, I, you know, I, I spend, you know, sometimes days just kind of crawling the web, looking to see what our competitors are doing, what, you know, looking at those sites where teachers are hanging out. Um, you know, trying to find the groups uh, on Facebook that teachers are, are communicating in, um, you know, and that kind of, um, you know, like sleuthing, uh, you know, and, and then being that investigator to try to figure out where they are and what they're doing. Uh, you need to be a detective that time. <laughs> a little bit, yes. <laughs> Uh, so when you were working as a, a marketing or web strategy and web strategy consultant, uh, what was your take about personalizing la uh, the landing websites, landing page of the website? Um, I, you know, I think I think it's important, but I also think thinking about the customer journey is is you know kind of as important. What are they going to do when they get there? Where are they going to go? You know, if we have, and, and we don't currently, but we used to have, you know, a, a, a web page that, you know, basically you identify yourself right in the beginning. I'm a teacher, I'm an administrator, I'm a parent. And, you know, and then it would take you into different themes. But really think about that, you know, like what are they gonna do? So they're gonna click on this, I'm a teacher, but then what's gonna happen? Where are they gonna go? And is it going to be engaging to them? Do you have the right content there for them? Okay. Uh, that's uh, very valuable information, I must say. Uh, so I'm coming to paid campaigns. Uh, we, are, we always say that uh, data is important. So what is your secret formula in designing paid campaigns? What data points uh, do you use? Oh, gosh. Okay, so um, paid campaigns, I guess we really... I, I, I look back at what, what we've done before. You know, having that data... Are important and, and knowing what has worked and what hasn't. Um, you know, and in the beginning, obviously you don't have any data, you don't have those data points to, to go off of. So, you know, you just kind of go with your gut and say, you know, I think they're gonna respond to this piece of content. Um, you know, and not to be redundant, but it's really that content. You know, are you offering them something they can't get elsewhere? Um, information that isn't available 
um, you know, just everywhere that's not common knowledge and, and not necessarily just about your product or, or whatever, you know, you're selling, but, you know, but is it going to be valuable to them in the moment? Because the, the idea would be to get those that, that those things that are valuable in the moment go so later when they're thinking, gosh, I really need a product that does X, Y, Z. They think, oh, you know what? I had that thing and they did that and I bet I should call them because, you know, they helped me out two weeks ago. Okay. Uh, so which is your favorite metric in marketing? <laughs> uh, probably conversion rate. Um, <laughs> I, I, I you know, everybody loves conversion rate because it tells you, you know, how, how you know, what, what you did, that what you did was good. But I have to say, I also, I, I really like those um, what uh, a lot of people refer to as vanity um, rates, the open and the, and the click throughs, because to me, you know, if you have a high open rate, that means that you did something really right in your subject line. Um, you know, you, you said something that really resonated. And then, you know, if you get the click through, not only did you say something that really resonated to get them into the email, then you said something additionally or you showed them something or there was a video or you've given them something that's made them say yeah i want to take this journey further um you know I, i've done some research and it's, it's the average pe person spends between three and six seconds on an email um when they get it that's not very long so getting them to open it is such a big thing and then once they open it you know, you have three seconds to get their attention and make them understand everything you're trying to say to them and get them to click. You know, that's not a very long time. You need to be really compelling. So I must say, uh, if you want a bigger conversion rates, you must uh, dig into your customer and do a lot of research uh, yep. about how, how they behave, uh, not even the technical, but also the psychological research of your customer. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> so uh, we went ahead with the metric, but I would also like to understand about uh, the lead generation methods. What is the major source of your lead generation, uh, Nora? So inbound, honestly, it's people coming to us. You know, one of the benefits of being a company that's as old as we are is that, you know, we, we have market penetration. Everyone knows uh, in, in the education industry, they know who Houghton Mifflin Harcourt is. Um, you know, we're not a big mystery. We've been around for a long time. <coughs> um, you know, but uh, really getting people, um, you know, making sure that our, our inbound situations, our web page, the vlogs that we're creating, um, the um, newsletters, any any of the any of the content that we're creating, making sure that that is what they need um, is really so important. And like I said, our our biggest our biggest input is, uh, you know, people coming to our site, spending on average, you know, five to seven minutes wandering around and then ending up with a uh, sample pack, you know, and, and trying out the product. Okay. Uh, so do you recommend any uh, specific platform that can do wonders for the SaaS lead transition? I'm sorry, for the what transition? 
do you recommend any specific platform that can do wonders for a SaaS lead SaaS in lead? Well, yeah, you know, I don't know. Um, uh, you know, we use a bunch of different platforms here. I I don't I don't know that I would call them wonders. <laughs> um, so I, I think I'm going to plead the fifth on this particular question. <laughs> okay. Uh, so paid or organic? What is your favorite? Organic, hundred percent organic, no 100 question. Organic. Um, <laughs> you know, paid paid has its place and it's important, and it's important when you're trying to get a specific um, message in front of a specific group of people. Uh, but organic is just, in my opinion, it's just so much more valuable because if it's organic they were looking for you in the first place. They were they were trying to find what you're offering. They were already they were already partway down that path. So you don't have to start way at the top. You can kind of start in the middle and, and get them down the path. Great. Uh, what do you think uh, is the most effective way of increasing a brand's online presence? So you have got a really, really good online presence. So I must say uh, it's a good take for us from you. Uh -huh. <laughs> um, I, content I, again, not to be repetitive, but it, it's all about the content, um, you know, and 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 thinking outside the box. Um, I just saw just yesterday. Um, I was talking to another vendor, and they were talking about um, instead of doing a webinar about one of their clients products they decided that they were going to do a jeopardy game show and so they had four members from the company come on and they had a, a host and they did they they basically produced the the game show jeopardy um okay. and okay. they and it was a 40 minute game show that talked about this company and and gave you you know information about this company and about their products but in a fun way. And so people were interested in it as opposed to, you know, you spend 40 minutes on a webinar where someone's just yapping at you, telling you how great they are. Um, you know, this was, it was, it was the same thing, but fun, <laughs> you know, so it really made a difference. And, and I think that thinking outside the box, like whatever you're putting up on your website, whatever you're, um, trying to create whatever content you're trying to create, like how could you how could you do that same content and do it in a fun way? And the other thing I tell all of our our writers and our marketers here at at um, HMH is anything you've written for the web page or for an email or for a social post, if you used our name or our product name in what you've written write it once and then write it again without saying our name or our product name um because people know who you are but they want to know what they want to know who you are and so by you know writing the same message without using your company name i think really will resonate more with your end user because they'll feel like you're on their level so basically, when it comes to who you are, uh, they really want to know how you uh, perform as a as an engagement. Uh, it also in a customer uh, relationship. Uh, how how are you um, 
like your presence and uh, your values uh, when it comes to a relationship and customer engagement. Right. Absolutely. You need to be authentic. You know, people, everyone can sniff out fake and, and nothing flat. So, you know, you need to be authentic. And if you've done something as a company and you've screwed up, you know, raise your hand and say, I'm sorry, I screwed up. I, I don't know how familiar you are with uh, the, the um, brand Peloton, um, but they just had that big scandal where they've had to uh, recall all of their uh, treadmills because they were dangerous. And they initially, you know, put up a wall and said, oh, no, it's not true. But then they admitted their mistake and they said, we're wrong and, and we know we're wrong and we responded wrong and we're sorry. That's going to go a lot of long way to helping customers come back quicker and, and say, you know, all right, you were being authentic and we it's OK and we believe that and we'll continue to support you. OK, so when it comes to who you are, well, I think uh, you. Like uh, three months back. HMH uh, recognized with a high rating that is. Uh, 95, I suppose, uh, uh, in corp uh, corporate uh, equality index. How do you feel that uh, you, as a team, build a workplace uh, that is safe, harassment-free, and allows individuals to bring their authentic selves to work? You know, I think I think HMH is doing a really good job at um, addressing. You know any any issues allowing people to be their authentic selves you know we have uh, several different um, initiatives going on we at least you know once every two weeks there's a, a another webinar or seminar that we have internally to you know really help all of us understand everybody else's point of view. Um, you know, there's a lot of division in the world these days, and you know, you don't need that at work. Also, um, you wanna, you know, you wanna come to work and you wanna be comfortable and you wanna live your life and do your job and 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 be successful. And we're doing important things. We're, you know, we're providing products and. Uh, digital um, functionality to the school systems and that's you know ultimately mentoring and 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 uh, raising up children and so it's super important that we're very very careful about making sure that we're representing you know uh, everybody without being offensive okay so we are speaking about uh, a person who is coming to work whether it is zero to two years whether he's uh, just pass out uh, from uh, the like educational qualification uh, pass out from college. So what mm -hmm. is your advice uh, for an entry level marketer for a successful career? Do you have um, more than 18 years experience? Uh, it would be really <laughs> helpful. I would tell someone who is fresh out of college, who is just starting, um, and, and honestly, I would say this to any career, not just marketing, but I, you know, be present, be, be, Listen to everyone. Don't be afraid to speak up. Don't be afraid to say what, you know, that if you might have a new idea or or um, or something. Um, but and take on anything anybody offers you. Um, you know, if if 
even if it doesn't even seem like a good, you know, like, oh, that doesn't seem like something I might want to do. Take it on anyway. Do it the best you can. Do a little more than they're asking you to do. And, and become that invaluable person. Become that person that everybody says, oh, yeah, no, I'm going to call her because she's the one that always gets that, that done. You know, and, oh, it took so-and-so three weeks to do that project and that person only two days. You know, I, be there. And, but also, you know, balance that life. Like, you, you know, a lot of people, especially young people today, I see, you know, they, they come in and they're like, you know, they're so gung-ho and that's great and I love it and I want them to be gung-ho and I want them to be excited. You know, but, that, but being gung-ho doesn't mean you have to work till 7 or 8 or 9 o'clock at night. Um, you know, it means that you get up and you're at work and you're fully focused and you're at work and then at five o'clock or, or whatever your hours are, then you're done. And then you're fully focused on your home life or whatever else is going on. You know, and just be that be that person, be the person that people come to because they know you'll get it done for them. I think uh, that is the only advice we have we have uh, covered almost 10 sessions till now and uh, uh, that's the most valuable uh, information or tagline for us that you should always balance in your like life at yes. home life at work at, especially yep. in the work from home condition exactly exactly so hard when we're working from home i've worked from home for almost my entire 10 years uh here and, okay. you know, I, I deliberately have it in a separate room. So at the end of the day, I can shut the door and walk away. Um, you know, it's real hard when your office is in your kitchen. <laughs> it's, really, it's really hard. It's really hard. I think I should probably have a separate room now. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> well, I think uh, you must be the mentor for so many people, but uh, I'm curious to understand about your mentor in marketing and demand generation. Sure. Yeah. You know, I've had several mentors over the years. Um, I, I had one mentor that uh, I deliberately picked him because he wasn't in my um, he wasn't in my direct chain of command. Um, and he wasn't uh, he was in he was in a in marketing, but he was in a different section of marketing um, than I was at the time. I was more in the, uh, the creative side and, and he was more on the product marketing side. Um, but I, I deliberately picked someone who kind of wasn't where I was because I wanted to get that that full view of um, of uh, the whole of marketing. And the thing that he really helped me with this is I mean it's going back many years now, but um, I was I used to be terrible at public speaking. Um, you know, I would flush and I would get all nervous and my voice would shake and my hands would be shaky and I would look like I'm about to burst into tears the entire time I was talking. Um, you know, and he really helped me uh, just overcome that. He, you know, we worked on me giving speeches to him. Um, you know, we worked on breath techniques, all kinds of kind of crazy things. Um, you know, and then he would talk to me about, you know, making sure that I knew my subject. And and one of the things he said to me, and it, it it's so silly, but he said, whenever you're talking, whenever you're, you know, giving a speech or doing an interview or whatever it is you're doing, you can sound confident as long as you know your subject matter. 
Like, if you tried to ask me about, I don't know, animal husbandry, I would probably have a lot of a lot harder time to discuss that. I don't know much about that. <laughs> um, but I could talk all day about marketing because this I know. Um, you know, and and if you don't know your subject, um, just be honest. Again, that authentic self. I, you know what? I don't know the answer to that question. I, I, I can't answer that one. You know, that just being authentic, and and in the workplace, when someone asks me a question I don't know the answer to, my answer is, I don't know the answer to that question, but I'll figure it out. Give me a couple of days, and I'll get back to you. <laughs> uh, so I think uh, it's really important to have a boss or maybe a person in your life uh, to whom you look up and deep troubles and yes. uh, just uh, get away uh, all this and keep calm. <laughs> mm-hmm. So uh, I, I am really happy to share that we also, I also have uh, like uh, our manager is really that person uh, completely into meditation and he's really uh, when you talk to him when you bring problems to him he's just okay this will happen and next day it happens it actually happens <laughs> and a second person is our CEO he's he's really really good like uh, yeah. the person you like uh, hold you and just keep you bring you up those kind of persons it's really important to uh, have you in your life absolutely and you know and there have been times in my life where that person hasn't been my boss um you know everybody has bad bosses throughout their career (laughs) um you know and and there have been occasions where my boss was you know knocking me down and and not doing the things that they should have been doing as a boss so you know if it's not your boss currently um, you know, go look for a, you know, a friend, a coworker, someone, someone who you can, who can build you back up and say, you know, well, maybe that really wasn't about you. Um, you know, I, as a, a female of my age, growing up in in the world that I did, you know, I, I sometimes tend to internalize things. Somebody will say something, and I'll think, huh. That was directed personally at me when maybe it wasn't. And so, you know, you you very often need that other person who says, stop being self-absorbed. It wasn't about you. You're fine. (laughs) That's really important. (laughs) Yeah. You know, and then it makes you go, oh, okay. Yeah. You know what? You're probably right. I will stop being self-absorbed. You know, and so I think that that's really it's really helpful and it's helpful to have those people who you can you can, you know, blow off steam and complain about so and so who said so and so and and or, you know, whatever. Because that's that's part of work and it's frankly part of the fun of work uh, is having those people. So, uh, Laura, I'm really not able to stop here. So just a few more questions as sure. you. Uh, a few more questions because I'm not able to stop uh, to gather information from you and learn something about, uh, from you. So okay. uh, you mentioned about content, right? It's really important. And uh, yeah. you also mentioned about conversion optimization. So what tools do you use uh, for conversion optimization? Are there any essential tools that 
a CRO conversion optimizer should have? Oh gosh. Well, I you know I don't I don't know that the tool matters necessarily. Um, rather that you know how to use the tool that you're using. Um, that you know how to get the right data and interpret it, um, which is why you need the data from from the very beginning, from those those vanity metrics, the the opens and the clicks, all the way through um, the conversion, and then you know finally the sale. Because you know if you just have part of that, if you just have like if you just know oh my opens and my clicks are really good. That's great. However, if it's not getting converted, if you don't know that part, you have no idea if what you're doing is actually effective. Maybe it is, but mm, um, you know, and vice versa, if you just have that conversion, you don't and you don't know how many people opened or how many people clicked or what the engagement was, you know, you're not gonna um you just need, you need all of it. So I, you know, tool wise, there's a ton of tools out there to use, um, uh, you know, in any SaaS organization, you know, there's, you know, there's a ton and, you know, at, at HMH, we use, you know, Eloqua and Salesforce and we're actually looking into purchasing a new um, customer success uh, program. Um, so, you know, but the tool, it's the people behind it to me, uh, you know, and making sure that you're interpreting that data appropriately. You know, and you only know that after you've had data for a little while, because, uh, you know, what might be a great open rate for my company might be a terrible open rate for your company. Um, you know, it, it just depends. But uh, when it is a tool or any any kind of uh, platform, it is an investment, right? So how yep. do you ensure how do you ensure that uh, ROI on your marketing campaigns are optimal? <sighs> hmm, really tough question, honestly. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, I, Again, you know, it comes back to, you know, the content to, and, and just learning. You know, if you start, let, let's say you have a campaign that is, you've planned out, you've planned the strategy out, it's 12 months long, and, you know, you know you're going to send, you know, you're going to do X amount of social media for the first month, and then you're going to do, you know, vlogs, and then you're going to intersperse website optimization. And you have this whole plan, like all worked out. You know exactly what you're going to do for the next 12 months. You're two months in and your data starts to show that nobody's showing up, that you're not getting any web traction, that the Google analytics or, or you know, the Google tracking is like super low. You need to be able to be nimble enough to say, okay, so the other, you know, 10 months of this plan, maybe we should stop, look at the data, and make a decision and change, you know, and, and optimize what is getting traffic, you know. So, you know, if you did email and you did social and the email had terrible open rates and terrible click-through rates, but the social had, you know, fantastic click-throughs, well, 
then let's switch it up. Let's do more social then. Um, let's do more of what's working. You need to be flexible enough. Yes, absolutely. To change our strategy as per the results or as per yeah. the uh, response you're getting. Exactly, exactly. Uh, so I am wrapping up the session, uh, Laura, with your secret mantra or your secret formula to sustain. Uh, right time, right place, right content. <laughs> um, you know, I make sure. Definitely, you know. I will definitely. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I will definitely uh, use this as a tagline because I really <laughs> liked. I really liked it. Yeah, you know, meet your customer where they are. Talk to them, find out what they want. And and if you can't talk directly to your customer, you know, talk to the people who are closest to it, the salespeople, the customer service people, the people who are who are talking to those customers every day. I guarantee you spent you talk to five different salespeople, you're gonna get five different answers, what your customers need, but you're gonna have a much better insight into your customer than you did before you ask. That's 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 uh, very valuable information. Thank you so much, Laura, for your time, your energy, and putting all these efforts for us. And sure. uh, yeah, uh, with this, I'll wrap up the session. Thank you so much, everyone, for joining us uh, in this session today for Growth Feed Series. Uh,